I'm Brandon Bartnick, and this is the Future of Mobility podcast. We're at an exciting time in the mobility sector with new technology causing us to continually question the way we move both goods and people. My job is to talk to the people leading this revolution and to highlight the challenges and opportunities we face as we develop and implement safe, sustainable, and equitable mobility solutions. This podcast is brought to you by FEV. Check us out on LinkedIn or learn more at FEV.com. Today's guest is Tiffany Chu. Tiffany is CEO and co-founder at Remix, which is a collaborative software platform for transportation planning and decision making. Tiffany brings a background as a designer and urban planner. So a lot of this conversation is focused on transportation planning, which depending on how much you know about this this area, I didn't know a ton coming in, but it's, it's much more complicated than it might seem on the surface. So it's interesting to understand kind of how how these decisions are made, how uh, what, what goes into it, what the challenges that are faced, and assuming that a transportation organization's ultimate goal is to make meaningful, positive impact on their community, which I, I would certainly hope is uh, at least up there as the top of their goals, how can they actually do that? So what, what goes into the decision-making? How can they enact meaningful, positive change and find the things that are going to be the biggest levers to make these changes? And that's where Remix comes in, which, which is interesting. We talk about the origin story, um, which in, in itself, you know, fascinating the way it's grown and, and Tiffany, the way she's approached her uh, her role as the company's changed, and then also how, how they think about their product. So I, I enjoyed learning about the way they designed the software platform, what they've uh, put into user interface, the features that go into it, and then just overall this service that they're offering to transportation planners. So overall, really fruitful discussion from my from my perspective. I, I hope you enjoy it. Please enjoy my conversation with Tiffany Chu. Today, I'm joined by Tiffany Chu. Tiffany, thanks for coming on. Hey, Brandon. Great to be here. Yeah. Could you please uh, get us started by introducing yourself and sharing a bit about what you're working at, at uh, working on at Remix? Sure. So, hi, everyone. My name is Tiffany Chu, and I am the CEO and co-founder at Remix. We are a collaborative software platform for transportation planning and decision-making, and I am a designer and urban planner by training, and we work with about 350 cities and agencies across the world. Very cool. And this, this is an area I'm excited to dive into because I can't say I know a ton about transportation and urban planning, and so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to, to learn a good amount here. So if you don't mind, could we start kind of at the, the, the basics? So if the, the way I think of this, or maybe pick, pick an example for you, uh, a city say Detroit or whatever city, if, if they're trying to improve their public transportation offering, they currently have some infrastructure set up and they're trying to, to make, a, make an improvement there. What goes into decision-making process, execution, all of that? It's a great opener question. And this is uh, something that we think about each and every day, which is how do cities actually make change um, in their communities? So let's take the city of Detroit. Um, so for example, Detroit, they have um, a couple of different entities that run transportation. They mm -hmm. have the Department of Transportation, um, DDOT in Detroit, and that entity runs um, the city bus system that is kind of within the 
city limits. And so that's kind of one big element that they do. Um, there's also the Department of Public Works in Detroit, and they're in charge of the right of way. So the city streets and everything that has to do with the street and the infrastructure surrounding um, the network of streets. Mm-hmm. And then there's also um, many different transit operators in the greater Detroit region. Um, for example, um, there's smart, which is like a regional transit operator. And let me know if I'm getting too in the weeds. No, this is Um, perfect. And there's also the, um, the Southeast Michigan regional transit authority that tries to coordinate transit funding and, um, planning at a regional level because cities don't exist in a vacuum. They have Mm -hmm. many, many regions and communities in in those regions that, um, have to, basically be a part of the planning process so we can design solutions um, that work for, you know, as many people as possible. So there's a lot that goes into uh, transportation planning and urban planning, and they're all extremely interconnected in a way that is extremely complex and different for, for every city. And what, so there's two, I'm going to want to hear more about kind of exactly what Remix offers, but the question that comes to mind, so you you talk about a case study like Detroit, and there's all these different players who have their different aspects that they're paying attention to. So if if someone, you want to make an improvement, and you want to offer better public transportation access to a certain subset of individuals or individuals overall, and what what, what goes into it? Because it's not just simply, hey, let's improve the bi- the bus routes, let's put a new whatever uh, bike lane here like it this is a big interconnected ecosystem so how how can people think of or how can we think about uh including all of those different aspects and kind of actually addressing the problem yes exactly um so the way that we like to think about it is maybe there is one singular entity that is in charge of, you know, a specific project or mode or system, be it the transit system or, you know, a group that is in charge of active transportation or say bike lanes in a city. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that group is probably the decision maker on exactly what gets implemented. But in terms of the planning process, they probably need to pull in a ton of different stakeholders in order to get approval for that project, make sure there's the right buy-in from all the community members that that need to be bought in. Um, it's usually a, a fairly um, potentially convoluted and uh, you know orchestration of different parties, both public and private. Um, and I think that's actually a pretty good segue to what Remix does is mm-hmm. because we're such a collaborative software platform, we're able to bring in more parties into the planning process earlier. And that leads to a higher likelihood of good transportation projects moving forward. And if you don't mind explaining to me, like a I don't know, sixth grader or something, what what, what does the software actually do and yeah. offer the people who are planning? So we do a lot of different things under the umbrella of you know collaborative platform for transportation planning. Um, the first one, and what we're actually most well known for, is um, for transit planning. So obviously easier to show than to tell, but on a podcast, um, if you can imagine a very easy to use um, web interface where you can drag and drop a new transit route on a map, see how much it costs, who might ride it, whether it's a good investment, which um, how many people live within you know a 10 to 15 minute walk from the bus stops of that route. Um, all of that previ- previous to Remix was done probably through you know, five to eight steps of 
other different manual kind of data processing mm-hmm. uh, steps. And with Remix, you could just do it in a couple seconds. So that's like one major component. Um, another major component of what we do is we help cities think about uh, their streets and how to design safer streets through a street design platform. So if you want to add a uh, you know, protected intersection or a um, pedestrian crossing um, or a uh, bus bump out, um, you know, all of those kind of small tactical but very important part of thinking about the built-in environment and how people get around um, our street design platform does that. And then um, we also help um, cities with their um, bike share and scooter share and shared mobility programs and thinking about how uh, they're performing and uh, how to manage them holistically. Sounds sounds very interesting. What uh, what do you think? So it, it sounded like this this was more of a manual type process and I have to imagine a very challenging process getting all of the correct data to actually make informed decisions about costs and riders or usership and, and all that. Uh, are there any uh, key insights or anything that you can share about the way that you've in Remix have approached this that has allowed you to simplify things and provide a useful interface? We are a very design focused company. I'm a designer. And so I think part of the special sauce that we bring to Remix is making software that local governments use that are super simple, beautiful, easy to understand. Like you don't need to be trained on it for, you know, six months in order to understand how easy you can like just be up and running in a couple minutes. Mm -hmm. And I think that paired with bringing all the data together um, as well as surfacing what we feel is probably maybe um, more important in the planning process, which is, data around equity and um, who lives there in terms of demographics and access as a key Mm -hmm. metric. Um, Those are all the the different things that we feel we bring to the process and actually prioritize it in the way that we design the software so that equity and data become kind of the first thing that you think of in a planning process as opposed to an afterthought, which is oftentimes very much the case. And kind of getting into the weeds, but I know you you have a design background. And it's it's curious, uh, and I'm, I'm curious. Uh, so when when you're designing software and trying to make something that's um, easy to use or easy to grasp without a bunch of training, it, is there anything you can share about that process or like the key enablers for making that happen? Yeah, just designing a an easily usable interface. Yeah. So I think the first step is to really understand the user. And when you're designing, if you can't put yourself in the shoes of the user, you're not going to be able to design a good product. Um, it, it could look really beautiful from a visual standpoint, but it needs to be functional in mm-hmm. a way that there's like the least amount of steps and, and the least number of barriers for you to do what you want and get to the outcome that you want. Um, so what we do a lot and spend a lot of time doing at Remix is a very user research focused approach where oftentimes when we're developing a new feature, we'll start with a bunch of user research interviews and ask them how they do their process today. And once we have, um, you know, some example prototypes, we also have um, them walk through it with them and with us and give us feedback um, on what's working, what's not working. Is it hard to figure out how to do the specific action? Um, 
you know, a lot, this is like fairly standard for the technology and software industry today, user research generally, but it is not always um, something that's prioritized by local government. Gotcha. How about uh, changing direction a little bit? So speaking of uh, cities and the the role of transportation in a city. So I I think, so personally, I had the experience, right? You go go to different European cities and like, for example, Amsterdam, Amsterdam, I've speaking I've spoken about where I, it's, it's incredible. You go, you can walk. You had, I had bikes at an Airbnb. I was staying, could bike everywhere. It's, um, and it, it seems, you know, coming back then to, to the U.S., seeing how different my reality is. The, the, the stupid question is kind of why, why can't we just make it like that? But I, I know it's, it's so much more complicated than that. Could, uh, yeah, could, could you speak to kind of what, how you can think about or how, how people can think about trying to make some of the impact they're, they're trying to make or try to pull out the good things in a, a city like Amsterdam? Yes. Um, can you share with me where you are in the U.S.? I'm in the Detroit area. So that's where you they, are in Detroit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I feel like those are very opposite ends of the spectrum yeah, that you're sure. describing. Um, so I would say, firstly, it's a matter of what a a city or a society values. Um, That is kind of the first step. And then what falls out of those values is uh, usually a set of priorities that are reflected in the budget. And I think if you look at very, very multimodal first cities like Amsterdam, like Copenhagen, where I lived for a while when I was going to school, you can see that the way that they allocate their funding and their budget, it is allocated in a very multimodal way in that they're not prioritizing cars and the automobile and the single occupancy vehicle above everything else, which is what you see in the budget when you look at the U.S. budget, um, where there was this slightly arbitrary policy passed a couple decades ago where within the transportation budget, 80% of that budget goes to highways and 20% goes to transit. Hmm. And so you immediately can see who and what is prioritized. Um, And I think a lot of that is due to, you know, very legacy perspectives of what transportation means to a society. And I think in places like Amsterdam or Europe, where they've really, really invested in public transit, um, safe cycling infrastructure, um, you know, very tight knit, dense 15 minute cities and communities. um, They just have a different value system around how much it, promotes quality of life when you can get around to all of the things that you need to do in your life without necessarily being dependent on a car, which to many Americans is like many, many tens of thousands of dollars in terms of a financial commitment to even Mm -hmm. have a car. And if you don't have that, you don't have access to literally all the things you need, especially if you live in a place um, like, you know, some areas in in Detroit. Mm -hmm. And so that promotes like a very, very big um, wealth gap and I think class gap um, and it drives more inequality. Um, and I think it starts from the top, which is where where the dollars are. Yeah, for, for sure. And I, 
so I, my my uh, my wife and I now because of COVID for the first time we're down to a one car family instead of a two car family because you're you're looking at my office for the last <laughs> last year in, in my basement in my house. Um, I don't know if that'll stay or not, but yeah, there's no way we could survive where I currently am in a suburb 20 minutes outside of Detroit um, without it without a car. But so that that kind of begs the question in my mind. So we are so there, there's been financial decisions for the last decades, hundred years, whatever that have put us in a certain situation where there's a layout of cities, there's dedicated areas for parking, driving, et, et cetera. How is, is it still possible, I guess, given all the infrastructure that's in place to make meaningful impact? And if so, kind of what's, what's that path look like? Yes. I think, especially with the new administration, there is a renewed sense of optimism. Um, if you hear, um, Secretary Pete Buttigieg of DOT now talk about the priorities of transportation in this country and about how the priorities should be about reconnecting communities, um, mitigating um, racial disparities in terms of where highways were destroying communities over the past couple decades and, you know, making amends and improvements, having learned those lessons. Those were words that were probably never really uttered in our last administration at all. Um, and I think with the new um, sense of understanding that cities and local government, that is where a lot of the power and authority sits for how cities are designed. I think what that means and what we're really excited by, especially with the new um, stimulus bill, there's $30 billion for transit, probably not nearly enough, um, but it's, a step in the right direction. And can you think of any, or are there any cities or um, other communities in the U.S. or North America that are doing well and are, are well on their way in this direction? Love this question. Um, I would like to talk about Seattle. Okay. Um, I think the city of Seattle is doing an incredible job, Seattle and King County, um, in terms of, I think, very easily they could have gone in one direction, which is like extremely car focused, extremely sprawling. Um, and they actually said no to a subway system um, a couple decades ago and recently have started to invest in a really big way in this new light rail system, which has completely transformed the region. Um, connecting the airport all the way up to the university and beyond. And there's many more plans and construction happening in Seattle around housing to support transit and transit to support housing. Um, and I think those two need to be inextricably linked and too often are planned in isolation. Um, but I think the amount of investment that the Seattle area has put into public transit and increasing um, the mode shift to more sustainable modes like cycling and all of the infrastructure they've put there downtown and beyond, um, I think really speaks to a really bright future. Cool. And how about the, so, so speaking from like an individual perspective, so, you know, I, and again, if you want to pick an, pick an example, you can think of my, my own um, experience. So yeah, had, had some experiences, loved having a walkable city, this, this idea of the 15 minute um, city, which if you want to expand on, feel, feel free, seems, uh, seems very attractive being able to, to get to everything, have a, a livable community. At the same time, it's 
a far reach from my reality right right now. So I guess in your mind, are there any uh, specific steps or things that an, an individual can do to try to, uh, to make an impact? Um, an inv- in individual such as yourself, like a, like a sure, or, or yeah, just, just a, a normal. So yeah, someone, whether they're trying to get into a career in, in the area or just a random c- civilian. <laughs> um, I would say a really illuminating first step is to attend um, a community meeting hmm. of, you know, say a new development in your neighborhood or maybe there's a new transportation project that's going through your neighborhood. Um, just show up and listen and see what happens. I think in many places, what does happen is that the potentially progressive project that the city's trying to do ruffles some feathers, typically homeowners uh, who feel that because they pay property tax, they should have an unlimited amount of say in what happens uh, in their neighborhood. Um, And I think too often those people become the voice of dissent that basically just destroys project and project and project progress. Hmm. Um, I think the reason why a lot of really good, potentially transformative projects are just consistently delayed or just never happen is because there are too many people who are NIMBYs, like the not in my backyard camp, where if any changes are happening to the neighborhood, um, potentially really good changes that create more inclusive communities, um, you know, people come out and pick it and say, no, like stop destroying our community when it's really about protecting their self-interests instead of actually promoting a more livable city for everybody. Thinking back then to what uh, the, the software that Remix offers. So have you, have you seen it all that, that uh, it, it, my guess, and I, I'm, I'm not like a, not a planner having used the software, but I, I would assume maybe there's some uh, interesting data or uh, artifacts that could come from that to kind of help make a case for a new, um, a, a new investment. Is that, part of what you, what you offer like for example if you can show it's not just hey we have this idea we want to have a, a subway in place it's going to be so great look at we're going to be able to get to the stadium but we can say hey here's the investment here's the return here's how many people are going to help like that are those data driven decisions carry a lot of weight or, or not so much yeah i think one thing that we really strive to do and are really excited when we see our city customers do it is when they start using remix as a way of storytelling because you know, words can only get you so far. Sometimes you just really need to show stakeholders what you mean and what the trade-offs are if you don't do it. And so one of the aspects of our software is um, this visual. um, It's our most beloved feature. Her name is Jane. You can basically place her on a map and see how far she can get in your community using, you know, walking in public transit. And it shows basically a map of access and you know, the bigger her zone of access, that is basically you know, the wall around her life. And if you invest in things like public transit and you know, safer streets and um, additional cycling paths, that wall just continually expands. Um, and that's a much easier way of explaining an investment in a community versus just lines on a map. Yeah, that, that's cool. And I, I've seen some of uh, in, in different articles and such kind of cool, cool looking, gra- which also may- maybe isn't, co- is, 
isn't um, as obvious because you, you you very clearly see like for example a river definitely blocks off or I don't know, even something like train tracks or like there's dead areas. It's not a it's not a bullseye in the middle of a circle by any means, right? How about your uh, your background? So, how did you how did you decide that uh, public uh, transportation and uh, urban planning was what you wanted to spend your career doing? Well, I think I grew up in probably a community similar to where you are in Detroit. It was actually in Central New Jersey, where um, very suburban, um, you know, not even sidewalks everywhere. Um, you needed a car to get around. Like I had to have a driver's license in order for me to get to places that I needed to, to get to, especially, um, you know, living at the end of a cul-de-sac. So for me, when I moved to Boston for school and all of a sudden there was the T that I could just hop on, mm -hmm. um, it's kind of mind blowing just, the amount of access that you have to a, a new place in a new city. And I think that's when I started studying architecture. That's when I studied urban planning and my mind just really expanded as to the impacts of all of these things that I was studying on people. And, and I didn't even know it was a field of study <laughs> until yeah. I got to, to MIT. So and I know this is a, a big question, so feel free to just bite off a, a bit. But so then you you start this company with three co-founders in, in 2014. That's now grown, and you're CEO of a what what is it 60 70 person company. How uh, anything that stood out during that journey that uh, lessons you've learned or uh, kind of unexpected uh, challenges and things that you've had to overcome. All of those things. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's many examples for me, but uh, yeah, any specific stories or, or things that, that stand out to you? Um, I can share a couple stories. One of them is when I met my co-founders at Code for America, this nonprofit. So mm -hmm. Sam, Danny, Dan, and I, that's where we met. We had been building this prototype which was called transit mix that back then and it was a way for residents of san francisco to suggest better transit routes to muni to the sfmta and it completely took off and went viral um on the internet because code for america tweeted it out and before we knew it we had about thirty thousand maps that people were making just in all different corners of the world trying to sketch out their own fantasy transit system for their own city. And it was such a, such a transformative moment for us because we didn't know why everyone was doing it other than people were just excited to sketch out their, you know, armchair transportation dreams. And I think the most memorable moment was when we got that first email the first of what became hundreds of emails from planners saying i saw what you built um thank you i love it and then in their email they would list like 20 features that they needed in order for them to be able to do their job their project that they were working on in whatever city and they wanted to use remix for it 
Yeah, really interesting kind of origin story. Great. So it wasn't that you designed this with the intention of taking it to as a uh, product and building a company around it, right? No. No, we were very accidental founders. And then once we kind of realized this pain point that we were hitting on Mm -hmm. and creating a potential solution that could be really impactful for all these planners, that's when we said, okay, let's, let's see if we can follow this thread and let's see how far it goes. Um, So that's what we've been doing for the past six and a half years. Cool. So, and I know we're uh, just up about, just about up uh, against time here. Just kind of last question or last real question I had. Um, So how about, I like to ask my guests favorite book or or books. So is there anything, um, I don't know if it's in the urban planning area, the startup scaling or, or anything personal interest, any, anything that you've read that has been particularly impact that you would point people towards? So for a long time, whenever a new employee joined Remix in their welcome packet, we would give them a book called Human Transit, hmm. which is by um, a well-known uh, transit consultant named Jarrett Walker. And it speaks about transit in a very clear and organized way of thinking about how to explain the benefits of public transit to an audience that doesn't believe in public transit or doesn't understand the benefits to the community. And we've referred to that book so many times um, in the way that we've designed our software. And, you know, we consider Jarrett a a good friend and, you know, he definitely advised us directionally over the years on, you know, you should build this and not build that um, because this is helpful and that's not. Um, And I think that book has really uh, transformed the way that we think about um, our role in the industry. Very cool. So I guess last question, just if if people want to learn more, I'll certainly, I can link to uh, LinkedIn, Twitter pages and uh, the, the Remix website, but any place else that you would point people towards? Um, yeah, you can go to our website, remix.com. Um, you can also go to our new parent company's website, ridewithvia.com. We just got acquired, um, this week and, uh, we're excited about it. Awesome. Well, Tiffany, thank you very much. I really enjoy the conversation. I appreciate you taking the time to talk today. Thanks, Brandon. The Future Mobility Podcast is brought to you by FEV. For more than 40 years, FEV has been a global leader in the development of mobility solutions for the transportation industry. With a team of experts passionate about innovation through the design, development, integration, and validation of turnkey vehicle and propulsion system technologies, FEV is your partner for the development of future mobility solutions. I'm your host, Brandon Bartnick. If you want to learn more or get in contact, share feedback or questions, the best place to find me is on LinkedIn at Brandon Bartnick. Thanks for listening.